And we'll try and get those out to you from the flip side. Here we go. Do you want a mic? Uh, sure. What, what do you want me to do? Oh, mine. Yeah. 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 Remember him. Never do a British accent. You're, you're, oh, what's that? Never do that. Your kids think it's funny. They want to hurt you. Um, well, hey everyone. Uh, we're gonna and we're just doing. We're, we're splitting this, right? Mark and I, Jimmy. Mark and I are. Yeah. Second half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what. That's what. We'll do. That's great. Um, yeah, so uh, let me just find my, myself here. I thought Mark was going to start. So I'll throw him off by now. Um, yeah, yeah, everyone. So it's great to be with you, and it's great to spend some time. Uh, my my uh, joy in songwriting over the years has been to be, Jimmy said, well, it's, it's been to be a fine print songwriter. It's like, oh, that's a lovely song. Oh, that's Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm that 5%. Uh, and, and so so my journey has been, and, and this will feed into the, the, the retreat as well, this weekend, my journey in the songwriting world has been to figure out who the heck I am. Because uh, I have a wide range of passions related to all things creative. So, you know, I, I was going through my list, even as, as Jamie was saying, you know, uh, you know what's Dan even done? Why we wouldn't associate that? And I was looking through, and I was just going, oh, that would explain a lot. So, so in my world, uh, it's, it's writing, writing. That's a big deal for me. So I probably have about 50 published pieces out there. Some have my name on them, some I'm a ghostwriter, some I'm all this. And so I've always been drawn to words in my writing. Um, and uh, then I've had, uh, I have probably eight, eight children's songs written for television in Canada. There's a TV show in Canada where it's all the kids' songs are And then I have a buddy whose who's son who grew up in our church in the vineyard in Canada, where we were at the Cambridge Vineyard, uh, not to be confused with your Cambridge. And, um, Actually, it was named after it, so go ahead and use it. Uh, this, this little kid growing up playing a plastic guitar in the, at the front of the stage in worship every Sunday is now one of the top producers of country music in Nashville. Right? He writes for all these folks, and, and he writes for you know, all these different, different labels, and, and he's brilliant. And so he and his dad do a lot of country music, so they're like, hey, let's do a country song. So I've written country songs. Is that okay? Yeah, we like country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. We're done. We're done. Johnny Cash was country, so there you go. And then I realized I was starting to go, go through in my mind, okay, I probably have about 18 published worship songs and about 300 that I've written. But what I have a lot more of is prayers I've written. I love to write prayers. 
And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, as I'm sitting there, I have a 500-page poetry manuscript at home <laughs> that no one has ever seen. And I'm, I'm, I, my, my gift is to write things that no one will ever see. It's not likely. It's a spiritual gift of anonymity. So, uh, so then I began to realize in recent years, because I was writing so much, and we all have different creative processes, and I'm actually going to stay with Marcy uh, of some creative process today, and then tomorrow I want to do this thing on um, epic themes in Scripture to power your songwriting. But I want to talk a little bit about, about creative process. Um, as, as, uh, as he was talking, I, I'm going to keep talking until I remember the thought that just escaped me. As Mark was talking, it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Buy more time. Oh, there you go. So my work now, so I actually serve as the communications director for the Year USA. My work now is writing, and I estimated with my wife the other day, I've written 200, about 200 to 220,000 words for the Vineyard Movement in the U.S. since I started about five years ago. And what that does is it does a number of things, and I want to talk about cross-training in a moment to keep your creative flow going. But uh, what that does to me, or what it does for me, is, is it does two things, one bad, one good. The bad thing is, is I spend my words all the time. You try writing 4,000 words about Christmas four times for four Christmas devotionals. I mean, it's, a, it's hard stuff. And it's like pastors, you know, preach another message on Christmas. Well, I'm going to grow on one I did three years ago. Like, I can't do that. I have to keep writing about Easter. Keep writing. With more about the resurrection. Let's talk more about the resurrection. Look, there's so much more about the resurrection. I'm just like, look, look, look. Lord, I need another metaphor. I need another, you know. And and what I've discovered, it's been, been bad in the sense of that I spend my words, and honestly, I end days without much energy for writing. For writing songs, for writing other things, I just—it's just the way it is for me. Because there's—I'm—I'm I'm finding also as I age, we're limited beings, right? You only have so much time and energy, and you choose what you want to invest in. I choose to invest in feeding my family, having a job. Um, but it's also a gift that I get to do that. The—the—the the, the good side of that is that I've found cross training in another—you know—you have cross training here, the language, you know—that—that that me doing that has helped me mine my soul and mine books and mine other things for fresh language to say things another way. And so what I want to talk about is, I want to talk about um, following up from Mark, 10 ways to stir the waters of your creativity. You know the passage in the Gospels where um, it says that the, the, uh, the, get this going, can't do all these things with one hand, there we go. Um, you know, there's the story in the, in the New Testament where the man says, you know, lower me in the waters because when the angel stirs the waters, there's healing. And my experience has been is that creativity is like stirred waters. Like it's healing. But it finds its roots. The image of water goes all the way back in, in the scriptures. You have Genesis 1, 26 to 27 where we see human beings made in the image of God and we see in verse 1 in Genesis that God is a maker by nature. He even starts, that's the first verse in the Bible. 
It's like the first book of a verse of any book. The first sentence is meant to, to tease you about the whole plot. God chooses to say the very first thing about himself in the whole book, that he makes stuff. So making is endemic to being human, right? We're made to make things. Some people make things with, with math and numbers. Some people make things with relationships and people. I like to make things in different kind of craftsmanship worlds like you do. So that flows into where we meet the first musician in the Bible, and I think this has a lot to do with songwriting, Jabal, whose name literally means it can mean multiple things. One is stream, flow. And that's good language for creativity. I think the metaphor of water is strong for creativity, and also it's strong language for how we unlock it when we're jammed up. That Jubal's name means stream. It also means loud blast of a ram's horn. Like startle you, profit, boom. I shock you, arrest you. How many have ever been taken back by a song? Like, mm. just said, that's so beautiful. I remember, who was it, Brian Adams came out with a song years ago, and he said, when you can see her unborn children in her eyes, I think it was a lyric, I heard it. I was, I was in a mall, and I went, I said to Alina, that is such a great lyric. She's like, you're so weird. I kept walking. She's like, I can barely hear that music. Anyway, um, and so, so you see this story like water, and so part of my process has been involving all these different types of creative areas. How many of you also love to sketch and draw? Like you, you have multiple creative interests. So maybe you have those things, writing stories, novels, things like that. So I've always had multiple interests, and I'm always very interested in seeing people, people's greatness in their particular areas. I've always loved to fan that in flame. But I started to see along my journey that there were, there were seasons, there were times for me when when I get jammed up, when it felt like the waters weren't being stirred, and I didn't know how to get them going again. And basically what I want to do is just give you ten ways to keep things fresh. Because the more vocabulary we have, the more ways to say the same thing. What I thought was my nemesis, oh, write another Christmas devotional, I am so eager. <laughs> like, I'm going to sit there, I'm going to swear at my screen, I'm going to you know, walk around and pace around again. I'm just so looking forward to that whole experience again. Jesus, say something, oh my God, you're not saying anything, you know. Let's do it again, do it again, you know. But what I found is that it, it forced me, it forced me to read other things, to touch other things, to try other language out, to, to write things and throw things away to a new level. And so, so those things cross-train the soul. So I want to go just through 10 of them. And I'm going to hit them all each pretty quickly, just so that we can we can progress through them and we can talk about them uh, through these days and, and beyond it. So number one, I want to say this, and, and I just, we can talk about the craft of songwriting and the particulars of it, but I'm going to kind of leave that to, to some of the things that we're doing together. Number one, own that you have only one life to live. Okay? We're Christians. We talk about eternity. It's going to be wonderful, blah, blah, blah. But here's, here's the real deal. We're going to lose you one day. Like, death is going to be everyone's. When we're done, we're done. If we're leaving legacies, if we're touching it, we're doing whatever. So all I mean by that is prioritize your creative work. Say the things you have to say the way you have to say them. You know that moment when you're, I've been, in this, I've been in this moment because my favorite songs, if I'm honest, are the artist songs that I write that nobody hears except my kids, my wife, and, and me, right? 
But if I'm in a room and I'm just having this freak out creative moment, it's awesome, I'm giving it up, da 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 da, and that little voice inside of you says, enjoy, enjoy this while the door is locked because you're not ever going to do it out there. No one really wants to hear it. Anyone ever have that voice going in your head? Yeah. No one cares. You ever hear that voice? That's a dark voice. It's the wrong tone. God will never say no one cares to you. He will never say no one cares. He just won't. It's not going to happen. Because at the very least, songwriting is our language of prayer. And I love what, what Paul Balash said about songwriting years ago. He said, everybody, would you just stop writing songs? Pray with your instrument. Just pray. Get the pad going. I do that sometimes. I'll just start a pad, and I'll just sit there and pray and say my prayers for my kids and everything else, and just pray. And then let a phrase emerge. Let something emerge from it. But only you only have one life to live. This is all we get of you. This is it. So go ahead and give what you have to give. It matters to me as well when you think of only one life to live. It matters when things are physicalized, materialized. So someone says, I got 800 song ideas. Mark hit it there. I got 800 song ideas. I'm like, yeah, I only want to hear the one you finished. Finish the song. Finish the song. I would rather have you finish three songs than you have 800 in your bank and... You know, it's just, hey man, songwriter, you know, I just, I just never really finish anything. I'm saying, you're not a songwriter, you're a songwriter three times if you finish them. I'm overstating that. But you get what I'm saying? Like finish them. Bring things to a point where someone can access them, can connect with them. And at the very least, it doesn't mean you can't rewrite it, but bring them to that point. So in your life, listen for impact moments where you're naturally touching people and leverage those moments. Um, leave a legacy for us. Recognize that different seasons mean different things. Just because this is a season, this is my season for writing a lot of books and booklets and material. It just is. Instead of me going, I'll never write again. This is horrible. God has passed me by. If calling is a noun, then God has probably passed me by. I'm in, not in my calling doing something else, right? But if calling is a verb and God has said, Dan, I'm going to call you now over here to write books then that doesn't mean he's not going to call me to write more songs in another season. You with me? Mm -hmm. Like, may, may calling a verb will all be much freer and more joyful if we do. Because then he can call you too many things in your life rather than if that one thing isn't happening, you're defeated. Okay? So one life to live, own it. Secondly, two, clear a space, make it yours. You get this. Clear a space, make it yours. Create an environment that inspires you. I had a friend who was writing, he's, he's got his PhD in Gothic literature and stuff. We had very dark conversations, you know. And, and I would go down into his basement where he had carved out this hole where there's, you know, cinder blocks everywhere. But he's pasted little quotes and pictures out of books. He's ripped up books. His whole wall, it was like one of those cycle places you go where the yard is going to Is this okay? Are you prophesying here? You know? And he just, and he has his little desk there, etc. And he sits down and he looks up and he's got a little picture, a little square of Thomas Merton there in the corner. And then he's got about a thousand other images and quotes. He said, I sit down and it inspires me to be here. Like, I've got to be in the basement. It's the way it is right now. But it inspires me to be here. So if you can find a space to make yours, or take a space that's already being used for something and bring something to it, like a candle that you or something to it that it just matters to you. It doesn't need to be functional. If it's a book you love, if it's some thing or someone that inspires you, take that to that place. 
And sometimes, some of you, I don't know if you've, you've ever done this, I will read a page or two out of something that moves me. I, I have a whole poetry collection on my wall. And so I'll just pull off a book and I'll read a page of that. And by the time you read Tennyson saying, you know, and the wine ran like springtime in his veins, right? You go, that's a good lyric right I can't put that in a worship song. Our spirit runs like springtime in my bed. You know, rip off Tennyson. But find things that, that encourage you in large quotes. Put dignify some inspiring art with a frame in your space. Keep magazines, book covers, music within easy eye shot and earshot for reference. Your aesthetic should be practical, but also igniting, energizing, and renewing. Uh, we got a back porch that I go to, and I take my guitar there. But here's what I do. I make sure I have everything with me I will need. Because there's nothing more frustrating than being in the middle of a moment of gold and you've forgotten your pen. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, and then you're turning your guitar from the door, and I'll go as a spring, and it's slammed on my acoustic. And then I swore, and it took me out of the songwriting space. <laughs> so... Okay? Three, change up your reading materials. All work and no play dulls the razor's edge. Find your sharpeners. Read different materials that relate to different sides of your personality and calling. So I'm, I'll give you an example. I'm a, I'm a design geek, graphic design. Part of what I do is art direction, but I love fonts. Any other font lovers here? Fonts are awesome, you know? I got the NASA branding manual from a friend. Literally, when I opened it up and saw the silver aeronautical paper on it, I was like... And Nina's just so weird. So weird. But what I find is those things inspire me to do other things well. You with me? Watching greatness. If you watch the Olympics, I do not want to be a figure skater. I'm like, that gal just nailed a quad. That's awesome. The least I could do is finish the darn song I'm writing. You know what I mean? Like, it's inspiring. Find those things. But also what I do is I leverage birthdays, Father's Day, and everything else. I keep a running list of things I just want. So when it comes to Christmas time, I have given my kids the list. I want this book, this book. I want this particular picture. I want this. I, I do that. So leverage gift-giving. Give them something to get you rather than that last-minute thing you can barely think of. Okay, give me iTunes, gift card, or whatever you do. Okay? Is that Okay. I find it inspires, it changes language, it changes my approach to things. Four, create like your soul depends on it. Your creative work is not a luxury, it's your language of prayer. It's a psychological, emotional outlet, therefore it's revitalizing. Your daily responsibilities are enhanced and enlarged by your creative forays. Does that make sense? So, it's the, it's the artist's way, if you've ever read that book. If you keep treating it like a luxury, then it's always going to be a hobby for you. But if you say, it's like Donald Miller with writing, a plumber gets up and goes and plums. Are you a writer or not? Are you a songwriter? Then write songs. Finish songs. Bring them to completion. Get a demo done. If you're not, if it's a hobby, just say it. Say that so and guide your life by it. Because not every worship leader or person who writes to write songs is actually has an invitation from God to write politically. Are you with me? But sometimes we have invitations to write for a season or a moment in time. And that's important as well. But treat it with seriousness and make it a thing. So, um, you know, in our home, in our setting, I sometimes will just say to Anita, you know, I have to carve out this block to finish this thing. And we work together for me to be able to carve out the block. 
because she knows that's an invitation from God for me. You with me? So if you don't take it seriously, don't expect someone else to say, we want to publish your song because we take it seriously. Even though you're just kind of slopping through this thing. Take it seriously. You know, we have, we have a gal who decided to build a cafe in our house and put her art up. Right? Well done. Because she takes it seriously. So when I see photos of that, it inspires me to do what I want to do well. It inspires me to, to work those things. Give them some space for people to interact with them. Five, use the rhythms of a week. Use the rhythms of a week in your creative work. Over time, certain windows reveal themselves as your optimal timeframes for creative work. Lean into those and plan. Engage those unique times by making a system that moves you toward goals. Lace your workday with planned moments of inspiration is able. Here's what I want to say. The, 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 all the gurus on self-planning and organization and everything else, they usually mean nothing to me because I'm like, yeah, that I'm random. Like, go start a corporation. I don't function like this as a human being. But what all of them do say that has been very helpful to me is that you do what's on your calendar. Not necessarily what's on your to-do list. You do what's on your calendar. So if it says Saturday morning from 8 to 10 because you got kids or you're trying to work out this or this this time, if it says on your calendar songwriting time, right, you have to make a choice not to do it. You with me? So if you book it, you have to make a choice that that's not going to happen. Versus the other way around, I didn't book it, so I have to choose for it to happen, right? Build life around it. Build life around those moments. We don't all have the same rhythms. And that's why it doesn't, one size doesn't fit all. But be committed to, find a way forward. The most prolific writers and songwriters, and the ones who are getting better all the time, are the ones who have blocked it into their schedule. So if you can find a way, work it out. You know, talk with your, talk with friends or spouse, whoever else needs to be, uh, be in on that plan. Six, become demanding about your time. Ready? I'm just going to drop out some little holy hand grenades, see how they go. You don't have to watch a movie every weekend, period. God has a claim on your time. Netflix is not telling you you have to watch it. And hours and hours and hours. Do we think for a moment, I love movies, I love movies, I love to see movies, but do we think for a moment that the enemy is not sitting there working with our loves and affections and forcing us into a smaller story than we will live otherwise? I think I'm just going to take away days of their life every month, like days if they added up all the hours by, by just opening up the movie thing. Mm -hmm. My wife and I finally said, like, done with cable, we'll get Netflix, okay. Well, we got YouTube Live so we can watch the Olympics for the free week of YouTube Live, right? Uh, that's not we're going show those guys. We're going to watch the Olympics for free because we don't have cable anymore, right? And then the, the deadline came up and Anita said, well, there's some good stuff on here. And we looked at each other and I said, there's also hours of our lives. <laughs> She's like, yeah, unsubscribe, we're done. Easy. And so what do we do? We actually read things at night. We actually talk about things. I might go see a movie, but it's one I have to choose and pay for, so I see fewer. You with me? Yeah. So we're, we're in charge of that. No one else is in charge of that. Even our, our habits and addictions are not in charge of that. We have control. So take control of the time and manage it by the, by the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Use a reminder or a note app, notes app to document books or material you like for birthdays, like I said. And how about this one? Become demanding about your time. Resist invitations if they collide with your system. Resist. Hey, would you? Hey, you wanna? 
I know this. The extroverts struggle with this. We introverts like this is a piece of cake. Right? <laughs> I'm expressive when we think I'm an extrovert. Right? You know, so someone says, "Hey, you want to go do it?" It's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I'll go do that." The problem is, is you actually already booked that in your schedule, and the answer is no. I'd love to, but because if we don't say that, it's it's like my wife is a preschool teacher, right? She knows that if you teach a child every day how to read, it's amazing. One day they know how to read. It's like an instrument. If every day that you do this, you will one day arrive at that. But if you're always waiting to be in the mood to do it, you're not going to get better at it. And even even in the kingdom, you know, we, we're like, Holy Spirit, drop, drop a gift of songwriting on me. And like, what he will do is free you up and heal your heart and maybe open up that side of you, etc. But that craft will be purchased over time in repetition. Just like everyone else. You will not learn how to play the piano tomorrow. Unless that miracle has happened a few times and I don't know. But just all of a sudden, I, could, I knew everything in my, my flexibility in my hand. I, I, I've never seen it. Some of you have, so. Okay. Um, number seven, invest in the tools of your trade. Now, don't tell anyone I said this. This is for you. A quality instrument, for example, is a tool that speaks back to you, it prophesies back to you. You know when you have a good instrument in your hands and it's some, saying something back to you, it just inspires you as a writer. So it's worth it to invest in it, sell other things. Great knives for a chef or a must. Paints make the artist. Instruments matter for us. And environments matter. Ask those you respect in your field what tools they've invested in. Research trumps impulse. Save toward the right tools. Sometimes the things that we really are into get in the way of us saving and thinking in a more narrow way toward the thing we really want. Right? So, and I say, invest in the tools of your trade. Get lessons of what you do at any age. I do a lot of one-hour lessons. So uh, I have a buddy who's a great, great electric player, and I said, all I want is two hours of you. How much does that cost? I don't want lessons every week. I don't want lessons for a year. I don't want anything. I want two hours of you to sit down with me and mess around. Okay, it's great. You know, it's cheap. A lot less expensive. Eight, get in the mode to get in the mood. Get in the mode to get in the mood. How many of you always feel like songwriting when you know you need to? Like you just feel like I'm just totally in the mood to keep writing and write more. You know, maybe sometimes, but what I've found is get get your stuff together, sit down, get all your things. Mess around, be clunky for the first 30 minutes, whatever you've got to be, to get in the mode. And then the mood will come. You know what I'm saying? But if you are always waiting to get in the mood, you're not going to get to the task. So I often will sit in front of a blank screen, not because I want to, but because I don't want to. When I have to write that new book, like I'm just sitting there going, that blank page. What have I written before? I can't write any of that again. You know. So get in the mode to get in the mood. Start the creative process in order to want the creative process. We're lazy internally, so fight it. Get in the mood to work by listening to music if you're songwriting. Okay? Listen to some music you love, it'll help trigger something. And create an environment that minimizes all the distractions once you start. Power down your phone for the love of all things holy. If you're gonna write songs, and you're going to go into a session, turn the phone off. Yeah. And if you've got to be in touch with someone, then just, just find a way, put it on vibrate at least. <coughs> you've got things to do. You've got things to do. So stay focused. 
Nine, grab moments that may never come again. Grab moments that may never come again. Be prepared to be spontaneous, to ride a moment that comes up. Be ready. Know when a moment could create something beautiful for a low cost and ride it and do the work it takes to grab that opportunity. So what I mean by that is so one day uh, we were filming some videos. I think it was for the Essentials course. I was filming some videos with some guys. And he said, yeah, I just got this dolly too. And, and I want to just, and, and it was the night before. He said, I think I'll bring the dolly too. I'm like, well, I don't think we want dolly shots of me teaching. Like, it's just weird. He's like, oh, okay, I wanted to use it. And I went, wait. I just started the other day writing a song with my oldest daughter. If we finish it by tomorrow, can you do a video for us? Well, sure. So we worked on the song. We wrote the song that night and finished it. And I said, you got to memorize it. You can't stand in front of the video camera looking at your you know, sheet of paper. So we worked it, worked it, worked it, worked it until we got there, did the other teaching videos. And then I said, Anna, come on up. Things were already. So what I did was I took a moment and leveraged it where I didn't have to pay more money. And I captured something that's become really precious to us and to our family members and, and to Jesus. And, uh, and uh, but it was awesome. And she got her first songwriting experience. She worked hard and, and, and did it together. So you leverage those moments. So when moments come that you could do that and that little thing. You with me? Leverage those moments. Sometimes you got to be spontaneous and, and roll with it. And finally, number 10, tame the beast to get the best. Just because you can create something doesn't mean you should. Ideas are not God. Okay, I'm speaking to a certain swath of us here. When you know, know when sleep or family is more important than that creative impulse you're feeling. God knows what you need, be at peace. Stop recording ideas or talking about vision or song when it gets in the way of relationships. So something my wife and I have figured out is I will never not have ideas running through my head. I will also never feel like I shouldn't document them no matter where I am. So I'm like in a corner of a restaurant. I'm like, I got to go Do you really have to? I, I do. I do. Hey, don't. Hey, you know, I'm, you know, like, just, just know when to cut it off, but find the tools. Again, the phone is a big deal. Find the tools that will help you document ideas well. So I write with uh, Sam Yoder. You guys know Sam. All Things Rise. Sam keeps a list of every lyric that has ever been thrown out of another song for plugging into another song. Like they do not disappear into the ether for Sam. He keeps them and says, hey, I got a melody we can apply to that chorus. I'm like, you got a melody? Yeah, yeah, really. Like it's like out of the box. Let me just go check my Yeah, there it is. Like that's what Sam does, right? With the lyrics. And sometimes you have a winner lyric that you just killed in a song, but it's a winner lyric. Keep it. it. Might come in handy again. So find the tools that you need to document things well. I use Evernote for almost everything I need. I use I have like 500, 600 voice memos of every little song idea I've had, and every one of them says "great song idea." So I remember it's great, except they're all great. So okay. So it was just some thoughts to continue in that creative process, cross train, do other things that inspire you. I like to go to art galleries. Right? I'm inspired when I see beautiful art in front of me, it stirs greatness within me. I want to do what I do well. So those are just some, some ideas. All right. What's that? You're done. I'm done. So I'm going to this. Lord, we thank you that uh, you have put a stream in every one of us. And that stream runs, runs. 
to your heart, it runs from you, it runs to you, right? you're the headwaters of it. And we, we just say yes to you, helping us to get the barriers out of the way so that we can find our places of flow, places of flow, spaces of flow, the things that inspire us. We pray you'd send us the tools we need that we can create for ourselves, and you give us the courage to start scheduling some things in that are a priority rather than treating them as, as uh, side things or things that, that aren't, aren't as valuable to us as they actually are to you and to us. So let your kingdom come in us. We pray for a grace in Jesus' name. Thanks, man. Let's go with that. Good. Right, so we've got a few minutes left. Did you enjoy your co-writing, kind of playing each other's songs in? Just show of hands, honestly, was it scary? Who was it scary for? Only one person. Have you ever, was that the first, was that the first time for anyone, like sharing a song that you've written? It was. What's that mean? So-so. So-so. Yeah. Does the wife count? Does the wife count? I don't know. I was trying to make a funny joke. So, um, I just wanted to touch on a few things on co-writing. Um, I'm someone who, generally, um, I'm better kind of coming alongside an idea from somewhere else than giving an idea of mine to someone else. I think that's because I kind of, you know, I don't know, I want to finish it the way I want it. You know, you've got a vision for it, but it's been a bit of a journey for me in learning to let go of songs. And one of the things about co-writing is, is that someone else has different ideas than you do. Yeah, so sometimes when you first hear an idea, that somebody's put with, say they've written a chorus for your verse, it sounds wrong. Because it's not what you would have written. Yeah. And duh, that's the point. <laughs> it's like, it's taking it somewhere else. So really when you come to, to co-write, you really have to be willing to change anything and everything, you know. And there's some things you might want to fight for, that you really love, but it's kind of like, I think it's the same as like, sometimes you can start to write a song and it doesn't sound like anything you've written before, so you're not sure if it's any good, or work out where it's come from, or where it's going to fit, or, but I'm learning like, just write that song, just let it, let it be written, and it might be just the one that, you know, you play to your kids. But it might not, and you, you honestly don't know where a song can go, or if it's any good, until you kind of start to share it with other people. So, um, my experience of writing with Brenton was really just a learning experience for me, because we were doing it via email and phone, you know, so we never sat in the same room. Um, but it was an incredible thing of like, he is a bit mad and a bit manic, you know, like in intense. And when he's writing, we talk about he that's what he does. He is he's come to a place where he is a songwriter and he will work. And so 
I was getting like four or five different choruses coming through, and they were coming fast. You know, <laughs> it was like ding, ding, and then they were all good. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And then you get a different one, and then a different one, and then the song would come back in a different style, a different genre. <laughs> going on. And I think, but there's something about that, like, um, just, you know, for me, sort of being willing to go, okay, well, that's just not going to be, the, my chorus is gone now. Do you know what I mean? That's gone, and, and this is, a new thing's happening. So that song, which wasn't really finished, now looks completely different, or that's become the chorus, and that's a bridge, and that's, you know, and he's changed the key, and you know, um, so that's quite interesting. And then, um, kind of writing, it's an incredibly exciting thing if you sort of surrender to that. And it's like, it's like a journey that you go on with somebody, and it's quite an intimate thing, you know. It's like you're, ex you're experiencing something sort of pretty special um, when you come out of something that you're, you're happy with. But just, I don't know, as we're sort of in this thing of writing, just to encourage you to allow things to go in a different direction than you're used to. Um, and uh, the other thing just wanted to add is, there is no style of music that is worship. You know, so it's all up for grabs. All the music is God's. And um, I would encourage you to to really do what you love and you know that's the way you know you know, do you know this phrase um, good taste is the enemy of great art yeah. do you know that one that's a great phrase because that's freedom isn't it you're not worried about being cool or you're just not worried about it you're just going to do art it's art. It's just art. Um, so be free and, and allow, you know, like that. I love that. The stream. The stream and the loud blast. Like that. Guitar silent. So, yeah, be, be encouraged. I think to sort of. I think the thing that's on my heart at the moment is we're living in a nation now which is full of the nations and we're not just this like um, white British thing anymore you know the nations are here God's sent them for a reason and we need to embrace them and we need to embrace new things we need to write together, we need to co-write, we need to embrace new styles, we need to, you know, because there's something God's doing and, you know, we, we need to listen, we need to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to his church in this time. And you know, I think it was last year, Look, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. God's always doing a new thing. 
and there's new songs to be written, and there's, a, there's new sounds to be made that haven't been done yet. And we, we always sort of, um, yeah, like we sort of felt, felt at times that we were breaking new ground. So it's like, first it was the acoustic guitar, you know, wasn't it? Like, I don't know when, before I was born maybe, <coughs> you're going to play these songs on acoustic guitars rather than singing hymns in the church all time, you know? And then there's this sort of progression, whatever, that's happened, and then you've got this incredible music happening, you know, incredible quality of production and all this kind of stuff that just wasn't there 20 years ago uh, and it's happening now. And it's almost like you feel like, I don't know, you feel like, okay, so Hill songs have kind of got it sewn up over here and there's not really any space for us anymore. Um, or, you know, whether it's Bethel, you know, they're, they're the ones who are having to move the Holy Spirit now. Um, you know, there's no space for us. Where do we, where do we fit? And I think that's kind of similar to what you were talking about with the voice that says you don't matter. And I think that might be a lie, you know? Um, because it always struck me like, there's so many people who don't know about Jesus, you know? There's so many, so much to be done and so, so much to do. Um, and I think sometimes we can, I mean, I, I think Hill songs are writing some incredible songs at the moment. I think they're getting better somehow. I don't know if you've noticed lyrically, you know, this stuff, you know, can possibly play it. But, and, it's, and people are getting saved all over the world, you know, through, through this kind of stuff. And you kind of feel a bit like, but we're just here like in our little thing, you know, with a few grannies and, you know, but that's, that's not the right voice to listen to. So, can a nation be saved in a day? And actually the answer is yes. You know, things can change in the blink of an eye and the Holy Spirit can come. And, yeah, we were talking over lunch about hope and how songs can bring can bring hope. Do you know the, the cutting edge song? Um, Did you feel the mountains tremble? Mm. We, was, we ended up singing it at the National Leaders Conference, right, Dave? Pretty badly, yeah. Pretty badly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going on the album. We haven't prepped it at all. <laughs> no. Songs that bring your hope. Songs that bring your joy, dances that dance upon injustice. Crazy prophetic song. What's the other line there? When all the streams flow as wrong river and wash away our brokenness. There's something that God is doing in bringing these streams together in unity, um, which is powerful. And I believe it's God's plan. I believe it's the answer to what we've been praying for and looking for. And so I'll just bring that, that challenge to you. And that means different styles, means allowing different styles, allowing different cultures, allowing this thing to change, this thing that is vineyard worship, to change and, and evolve.
evolution, baby. You know, and become, become something when the streams flow together. And the other thing I want to say is, part of the vineyard heritage is unity in the church. That's why I kind of made the joke about the tribe. You know, it's, it's one church and it's one body and that's really, really important. And when Wimber came, I heard a story about Wimber, that he said, um, to the measure that you are, you lay down your competitiveness and you work together as a level that, level that I will bless your churches and increase your churches. You know, he, he loved the church, the bride. And isn't it amazing that, that attitude of serving, washing the feet of the bride, of loving the bride, that those songs, those songs just went all through the church, you know? It was like there's something about that attitude of unity, wanting to bless, to wanting to honour, that just opens the, the floodgates for, for God's blessing. So I think as well as, as, as songwriters, we can lay down competitiveness amongst ourselves. If there is any of that, I don't know that I'm sensing any of that here. But, you know, the, the thing that uh, was amazing, which impacted me so much, was um, the way that Dirksen was always looking to bring up others. You know? It doesn't mean you stop doing what you do. Because, you know, we're called to bring what we have to the table. But it's just as simple as like, you're going to lead this song, you know, you're going to, you sing this one. It's time, it's time for you to come forward. Remember him giving Nigel Briggs a word and just saying, Nigel, it's your time. It's your time. Come on. Remember him saying to me on a train, he said, Mark, how old are you? Should do that some years, yeah. How old are you? Oh, I'm 20 or something rather. You say, oh, that's how old I was when I, my first song published. Basically, like, you can do it. So we can be those people, can't we, to each other. And we, you can do it. You can do it. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you. Or you will do great things for me. You can do it. You can do it. The God of hope, you know, the God of encouragement. He comes and says, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Come follow me. You can do this stuff. Yeah. Not many, was it? Bible says not many of you were anything when you were called. <laughs> and that's how we feel, isn't it? And then we get to go, wow, and what he does with our little bits of bread and fish. Yeah. So yeah, that's my bit. Any bits? Thank <laughs> you.